0: Hi everyone and welcome to another Hawks Insiders Thursday night safe space, 2nd of June. Uh, We are into the winter months, it's been a a pretty chilly week so uh, we take this opportunity. Hope you're all at home, rugged up, nice and warm to sit through the next hour to discuss all things brown and gold. My name's Andrew Weiss, and I will be your host this evening. Our fearless leader, Ash Brown, can not be with us tonight, unfortunately. So I will do my best, they're big shoes to fill, to try and steer the the ship. We've got uh, a few things to get through. Obviously, we're going to centre on some discussion around our mid-season draft draftees the new hawks at the next nest max ramsden and james blank but for now before we get started uh it's a warm 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 welcome and hello to our regular panel starting off with our social media guru and one of the brains behind the insiders darren levine good evening darren
1: Good evening, Andrew. I think warm's probably an interesting choice of words there. I'm freezing right now, but um, good to be here. Thanks, everyone, for joining us.
0: Yeah, well, uh, plenty of time as we run through the intros to go and get another dooner or put another jumper on, Daz. I'm sure uh, you will need some of that ice in your veins when we get to the bad from the Darwin debacle from the weekend. And oh, nice got segue. To <laughs> yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, um, as always, uh, he's often angry. Um, the last couple of weeks, he's been upbeat, but I, I've got a feeling we might get angry Brad back into the foray this evening. Brad, good evening.
2: How are you? Evening all. Angry, but there was a positive. I finally was able to go... Uh... Viral, twenty five thousand views on a video I posted from the coverage on Saturday night of the Descent rule, which I'm sure we will touch on. We will definitely
0: touch on that. It definitely designed. It definitely deserved to be seen by as many people as possible, uh, and a good example of. Uh, what we often see when new rules come into place. Uh, I think at, at our cricket club, we used to refer to it as a relaxation of the policy. Uh, and clearly that's something to throw your own arms out, up at Brad and we'll get to that shortly. Uh, our opposition analysis anal- analyst analysis is in the building. I'll get that right. Mara, Simon, how are you?
3: I believe
4: the word is analysis.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I'll take you. Well, you've done Morales. a better
4: job pronouncing it than Ash ever did, so thank you.
0: <laughs> Our Oppo analysis, Simon Morowitz. How are you this evening, Simon?
4: Very well. Um, I'm only just sitting down to dinner now. I've just um, stepped off the futsal court, so lovely to be here um, and, and glad that the time lined up.
0: And uh, talk us through your results this evening. Um, I scored a couple of goals, so that was good.
4: There there,
3: were no results there, by the way. No results.
4: Um, You're absolutely (laughs) Uh, right. When we we win, I'll tell you we won. And when we lose, I'll tell you I scored a couple. But three games for three defeats this week, so not not too happy about that.
0: uh, Well, that uh, probably sums up some of the stuff we're going to talk about in terms of the Hawks in this week as well. So we'll keep that tone going. But but before we get into uh, what happened in Darwin, our draft guru is in the house Danny Prins, welcome. Good evening.
5: Racy. see. Thanks for having me, mate.
0: I assume you would be feeling the most upbeat out of all of us given uh, given the most positive thing to have happened throughout this week was right in your wheelhouse.
5: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a mid-season draft, right? So you can't get too ahead of yourself thinking you've snared, uh, you know, the next uh, Jason Horn Francis or anything like that. But there's uh, two significant list gaps. Or, or list needs that we've addressed in this mid-season draft. And I think that's a really positive thing for the overall list build that we're working on at the moment. So, yeah, pretty excited.
0: Yeah, for sure. I thought you were for a second you were going to say we can't be too excited that we'd be grabbing the next Jai Nuken. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want
2: to, to go the there different...
5: because is more the exception rather than the rule. You know, so... Uh, if we if if either Max Ranson or James Blank become the next John Newcomb, um, we need to start paying Mark McKenzie more money.
0: Indeed, well, we will get into that in a fair amount of detail shortly. Um, thanks, everyone, for jumping in tonight. As always, we want this not just to be about us as the panel. We really want to interact with you guys. Any questions? Any comments? Any thoughts? You've got the whole way through. Uh, just hit the request to speak button and we will get you involved. I think especially around some of the mid-season draft stuff, which will be pretty exciting when we get into that. Uh, definitely make sure you hit us up and be a part of the conversation as always. Well, the first thing we're going to do, and, and hopefully we won't take up too much time on it, is uh go through using um, using some of Brad's uh, literary genius today the double D's um, the Darwin debacle and that's the only way we could probably describe it we got smashed by the suns on the weekend uh, losing by 67 points 1813 121 to 7 12, 54 in a very humid Darwin, very humid Darwin conditions. Um, To kick us off, we're going to flip things around this evening, I think. I'll put it to the the boys to maybe make this a bit more interesting. It would be just way too easy to give Brad the bad things. And while you're all interested in hearing him come off the long run, Brad, it's up to you to come up with a number of the good things from the game against the gold coast on the weekend what have you got for us
2: number one when the final siren rang that was number (laughs) one uh number two was uh harry morrison's game i thought he was arguably our best player on the night had one of his better games but on the flip you know on the other side that's probably not a great sign and number three, what I really picked up on and liked was Connor McDonald playing on the ball. I had a few center bounce appearances. And as I texted during the game, his skills are really, really good. A few pre-seasons, a bit of size. I think he's going to become an elite midfielder. And a special mention to uh, Sammy Butler. Did a few nice things in the first half. We've definitely found a player there. Uh, he's going to be an excellent player for us. So it wasn't all doom and gloom. But other than that, I don't know about uh, you boys, I don't think there were too many other positives on the night.
0: No, I totally agree with you. But I think that, you know, I, I think it, it would be way too easy, Brad, to put you on the bad and, and as I said, have you come off the long run.
6: It's There's very plenty
0: fair. to be upset and disappointed about. But as we've said from the start of the year, like this season is about finding the positives and the small wins when we can. And even that list that you've, you, you've rolled off, um, they're, they're very positive goods to be rolling out out of, you know, what was an overall disaster. No, they positive signs.
2: No, no, absolutely. And I think... Once Joshua Ward comes back, obviously he's dealing with a concussion at the moment. Uh, You know, I think he'll have a really strong back after the season. And McDonald and Ward, I guess, is our future in the midfield. So hopefully we see a lot of them in there together as we sort of see what Sammy's doing at the moment and phasing out Tom Mitchell and uh, Jager Jager O'Meara, which he's spoken about. So, yeah, a few positive signs, but when you lose to Gold Coast by 67, it's hard to find them. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Brad. Well, we've got 50 minutes left scheduled on this space. So coming in with the bad, Daz, the floor is yours. What are, I guess, the the baddest of the bad that you could find in terms of what took place in Darwin on Saturday?
1: Well, it's not going to be a long one because I've enacted the Sammy Mitchell 24-hour rule and promptly forgot about that game. And I hate that I'm having to relive it now in any form at all. Um, it was just one of those games where nothing seemed to go right. And I think when I saw Tom Mitchell lining up before the game started and he was absolutely sweating bullets, I just thought, oh, God, we, we're just not going to adapt to these conditions well at all. Apparently, the boys trained with footies that were dunked in detergent, which is really funny um, to me, maybe. But... Um, it didn't seem to matter much. We really just couldn't handle the footy well. Having no ruckman and having Dan Howe in the ruck, I'm not sure how we could ever win a game um, playing Dan Howe in the ruck with all due respect to Dan Howe. I don't think he's probably ever played in the ruck in his career. Um, so smashed in the centre, of course, just out-tackled, uh, out-hustled. They just smashed us for contested possessions and, um, very few shining lights. I think Brad touched on pretty much everything there and was also scraping the bottom of the barrel a bit. So just one of those games that you you kind of just want to move on from really quickly. And I really just think, you know, as a combination of no Ruckman, just shocking conditions for us. And I think Gold Coast have played quite a few games there and obviously train in more sort of humid climates. So um, I think, yeah, it was just one of those games to forget, but you know, Sir Doug Nicholls around, uh, a wonderful pre-game experience there. So good to see the players stick around um, in the territory and uh, experience Indigenous culture and some of the some of the sites over there, and and just get around the community. So I think that was a pretty big positive for me to to see all that footage and all the photos emerge over the past few days.
0: Yeah, the extra content that we've been able to witness as part of the whole experience and the whole round has been uh, has been phenomenal. A question without notice for Brad as our chairman of selectors, because Daz mentioned Dan Howe in the ruck. Sammy Mitchell threw his name up during the week as a potential ruckman and we kind of, I mean, we all laughed and thought, well, you know, that there's three, four, five players that will be rucking in front of Dan Howe. Do you read anything into the honesty of Sam Mitchell in terms of he said that he was an option, there he was, that, um, that potentially in terms of pre-game look to what he's thinking, an element of trust in what, what he generally throws out there? Is there anything to read into that?
2: No, I don't think so. I just think Cozzy had, you know, done a really good job when he uh, had to do it. But I think how Simon touched on it last week is deceptively tall. I think Simon's about 193, isn't he? Or 190, like he's quite big. And to be honest, I think, you know, out of all the players who he'd want to go in the ruck against Joe Witz, Howe would probably be the one who, if he unfortunately copped an injury, if he has to go out the side, are we really going to miss him? I think he's going to lose his spot in the side this week or probably next week. So I, I think it's good that Sam was... Ac- you know, he spoke about it in his press conference. He was, yeah, uh, honest. Like, we all uh, laughed about it. Unfortunately, when he played Ruck in the second half, it wasn't a good... You know, it didn't uh, come off. He didn't really compete that well. But... Um, It was a really interesting one. It was actually really hard for Sam. Like, he felt sorry for him because what hope uh, did we really have? There literally was no options. So, hopefully, Noodle, Ned Reeves, comes back this week. He's been named on the bench. So, I'd say they're probably not confident. They'll see how he obviously goes with training on Saturday. But if he was guaranteed to play, he would definitely be named as the starting ruck. I know Ash talks about the team sheets, but the ruck is one who you'd like to see him named as the starting ruck. So I'd say at the moment, unfortunately, he's 50-50 to play on Sunday.
0: Well, We will get into that when we look ahead to the Pies game. I think we're, we're just going to try and wrap up the Gold Coast game and have it banished from our memory. I, I think the other positive with Sammy Mitchell, by the way, though, is that even... even with that, how situation he is prepared to try different things, and at this point, with where we're at, that's exactly what you want, in my opinion. You want to be able to see him happy to throw magnets around, try things that you wouldn't even necessarily consider doing, because that is part of you know understanding what your players can and can't do,
1: developing them as individual footballers, but as a group.
6: Yeah, I
1: I, I was going to say, though, like, I I respect that about Sammy Mitchell, but at the same time, like, bringing Jackson Callow, who's around the same height as Dan Howe, but 10 kilos heavier and a much more physical player. You know, I don't think anyone would say that physicality is a a huge part of Dan Howe's game. Um, And to put him up against Witts, like, it's a 20-kilo difference as well. So... Why not? Yeah, Callum? or
0: even or even Hardigan. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 notion that he had preconceived it and did it, I, I totally get and and agree with that, Daz. It's not like he didn't have other more suitable players at his disposal.
4: The difference is, that if that. you're conceding the hit out, then you might as well concede it with a midfielder at, at which yeah. because Callow once he loses the hit out is not going to win a clearance. So that, I think, is the difference.
5: I think that's a really good point, Simon. I I think um, it's a little bit of that uh, Sean Griggs sort of model is what I think they were going for, where you just concede that you're not going to win the hit out and Jared Witts is just going to dominate, whether it's Kaczynski or Callow or Dan Howe. But having Dan Howe in there for two reasons is probably not a bad thing. One, like Brad said, you don't want an injury to jeopardise the, the rest of the season for somebody like Jacob Kaczynski. But two, when the ball hits the deck, Dan Howe is semi-effective, whereas Jackson Callow becomes a non-event. So I think, I think it's those two things combined is probably what led Sam to make the decision he did.
0: For sure. Well, Prinzi, while we've got you, it uh, might be a difficult uh, task to do, but your votes from the game against the Gold Coast.
5: Uh yeah, it wasn't easy. Um I still gave three to James Sicily. Um I know Brad sort of mentioned he didn't think he had a good game, but I thought he was solid without being spectacular, but nobody was good for the Hawks. Um I gave two to Harry Morrison and one to Tom Mitchell.
0: Beautiful. Mora, have you um got any different players to those three in your mix?
4: Um, actually, no, but in a different permutation, I went Morrison, Cicely, Mitchell.
0: Brad, have you have you got someone different or are we all going to end up with these same three? Well, you're not going to have Cicely in your mix, are you? Uh,
2: no, but it's very hard to uh, give a one. So um, <laughs> I gave uh, three to uh, Harry uh, Morrison, who I said had his best game, which I think was probably the reason why we lost by 67 points. Um, two votes to Tommy Mitchell. I thought he was—he tried hard all game. I know he had a lot of, you know, his usual possessions across half-back, but I thought he, you know, tried his guts out um, for the whole night. Um, and I, honestly, as I've mentioned to you guys, I can't think of another player who on the night had a better-than-an-average game. So, um, and, and I, was, I, I saw Sis got a... I think he got a coach's uh, vote, so... That was interesting because I thought our back six as a whole really struggled. So, anyway, maybe... Do you think...
0: Which coach do you reckon gave him that vote, Brad?
2: Oh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Sam.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's always a source of fascination when you work out who gave mm. what and thinking about the mindsets of other coaches and... Um, yeah, it was a surprise to see him on there, but he made the chop nonetheless. Daz, your three, two, and one.
1: I'm going to go three for Brandon Ellis, two to Took Miller, and three, <laughs> uh, one for Lockie Weller. Thought he had a great game. They were probably our best players, so that's
0: fair enough. Um, yeah, look, uh, the, the the quicker we can now move on from this game, I will just ask Mora one question. I think he tweeted during the game that it was just such a terrible game of footy to watch. How have you thought about how it rates in terms of the shockers that you've had to watch in recent times?
4: Yeah, I, I put it on par with um, St Kilda last year, Geelong in 2020 when they just t- tore us apart in the second half and um, and remember when we lost back to back games by 86 points, Geelong and the Suns as well, those same two teams just keep popping up. Um, it, was, it was yeah. It was a really great assignment that you gave me. Just really of the worst defeats that we've had. <laughs> like, thanks, mate. But yeah, that those it was that that level of just watching it in sheer disbelief and embarrassment.
0: Yeah, I think that pretty much sums up how everyone else was. <laughs> feeling about it. I think, uh, luckily, I guess, again, depending on who you support and what your interests are, there was an A-League Grand Final happening at the same time. So, for some, that potentially provided a bit of relief, but... um, Just...
5: Just a side note on that, see I was at the A League Grand Final. That was no better either. If you're a Melbourne City fan. City fan, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the only good thing was my my I, my seven year old got to give a medal to uh, the winners, which he was hoping would be Melbourne City, but it ended up being Western United. So, um, yeah, we were losers all, all across the board on Saturday night.
0: No, nah, that one was the right result. No, well, do you know what? Let's save that. We can, um, we can <laughs> maybe we can do a separate space or invite people to a That's separate an WhatsApp space group. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to stick to the brown and gold for now. But that gets rid of everything that happened in, in Darwin. We wash our hands of it, and let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Uh, the mid-season draft that took place last night. There was a fair bit of um, there, there were a fair few rumors floating through about what we were going to do. Uh, very late decision to open up through Tyler Brockman, the second, um, list spot by late decision, I should say, uh, it was reported and lodged, uh, in the afternoon on Wednesday, no doubt the decision had been well and truly made a long time, uh, before that. But I think to kick us off and give us a recap on the two new Hawks that have come in and how everything panned out at the at the midseason draft, Prinzi, uh, welcome back in specifically to give us your take on everything that unfolded last night.
5: Yeah, I, I think I think overall, most Hawk supporters would be pretty happy uh, with with the Hawks' work on Wednesday night. I mean you come away from a draft nine out of 10 times, you're going to be pretty happy with the, the kids that you select. But um, as I touched on at the, at the start um, we had a couple of really glaring list needs and we've been exposed for only having um, three rucks on our list this year and three of them being injured, um, you know, over the course of the last few weeks. So, and not having a ruckman play at Box Hill for the whole season yet this year and, um, adding that extra ruckman and having somebody who has a real point of difference to our other rucks in Max Ramsden is, is, is really uh, an exciting thing. Look, he's not, he's going to take some time. Uh, He's not going to be ready probably to play uh, this year, Uh, but um, he's come from the clouds. And I think um, his potential developmental path is pretty huge. And then, then to follow up after that, and then in the 20, in pick 20, um, take another Box Hill product. I think there's 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 layers of good story there. Like, um, James Blank is um, probably the perfect, if we had Ed Sill on tonight, he would talk about that being the perfect um, Box Hill Hawthorne, uh, Eastern Rangers Box Hill Hawthorne pathway, uh, and exactly why a club like Box Hill exists. Um, you know, Blank missed out on the draft um, in his draft year. He was a late bloomer, late to footy. Um and uh, was considered a raw key position player. He probably still is, but he's refining a lot of his skills. Um, and he did work during two COVID, um, uh, COVID-affected seasons at the VFL and um, worked on his body and filled out uh, to the point where, you know, he looks a really solid young kid at just uh, recently turned 21. Um, and he looks like somebody that could play right now if we needed him to. But he's also still a kid so I think these are two picks for the future but also one pick for the right now and um, I think Box Hill will be happy too because they'll have another recognised Ruckman to play um, to give young Brinker Richley a bit of a chop out who's done, played a lone hand the last few weeks so that's okay. a, a bit of a wrap of the draft in itself
0: So a few questions and we're going to start um, with, with just uh, unpacking Ramsden as a prospect before we go into blank. So um, pick six, we take Ramsden. Obviously, we go for the best prospective ruck available. Um, it feels, though, like it's a bit of a furphy talking about him being the ruck with injuries to fill having four Ruckman on our list because we should have done that from day one. I guess my question to you is, if the mid-season draft was three weeks ago, do you think the approach is different as to the, the Ruckman that we're taking? Because it feels like, even with what you said, like he's not going to be playing for the next couple of years. He's a project Ruck. That That is with the the notion that Lynch and Reeves are... Coming back just around the corner, whereas two weeks ago it might have been a different story, looking more at someone like and What do you think about that? Uh,
5: the word from the Hawks will be no. I, I have my doubts. Uh, I would say if they thought that all three or at least two of uh, Reeves and McAvoy um, and Lynch were going to be out for a long, long, long time, they probably would have gone and um, got. Uh, A stopgap solution for six months. Um, But with those guys coming back, they could just go and pick the best available talent. I'm pretty sure that's just what they've done, uh, regardless of position. I think it's worked in our favor from an overall list build perspective that um, Ramsden um, was the pick that they ended up with. But I I just think they've, we see, they've just gone best available talent, and that happens to be a Ruckman. So, I think they just like the uh, the athletic profile, um, the the potential comparison. The athletic comparison.
0: profile, six minutes and four seconds for two kilometres for his time that's trial.
5: The, that's the same time as you, yeah, what, you see.
0: <laughs> maybe uh, in a car, maybe not quite. It is unbelievable, and and we've got. I mean, Justin, one of our listeners who's in here, has done a lot of our homework for us because he was tweeting up a storm. Just to put it into perspective for everyone here who might not have seen some of Justin's numbers, 6.04 Ramsden's done as a 202 centimetre, 85 kilo Ruckman. Ward's 2K time trial came in at 5.57. Ned Long's at 6.05 and Connor McDonald's at 6.08. I think Rouse was 6.17, I think I saw, Matthew Rouse. So, we're talking for a big guy, we're talking elite
5: athletes. Some incredible numbers. Um, uh, a better 2K time trial than Dylan Moore and CJ in their draft years. Um, yeah, so just some really, really high, high, high end numbers. Um, And I think if you look at that, like, you know, because even um, McAvoy is uh, a good endurance athlete for a Ruckman and can run all day. But the difference I think I see with Ramsden and his, and why I talked about his athletic profile is because not only can he run uh, and run and run and and has a great endurance, but he has a bit of fluidity about the way he moves. If you look at the way that McAvoy moves and how he's built, he's kind of robotic in his movements. But um, Ramson has a lot more sort of kind of like plays like a tall midfielder. And it was really interesting to see him comped by Cal I think it was, as a, a, a um, Tim English type uh, Ruckman. And that's that's what I see in him too. So, um, you know, he's probably not going to win all of the hitouts, although he's got a pretty decent spring. And I'd say he's a bit taller than Tim English. But what he is going to give you is uh, another body around the ball that can go in, tackle win the footy, he's got good hands in the contest. If anybody watched his highlights package that the Hawks put up there, he won a few really good balls um, in the coalface and, and got them out like a midfielder would, and he can move around the ground, so he's going to burn off some of those bigger um, Jared Witt-type um, uh, ruck opposition players that he's going to come up against. So I think there's a there's a fair bit to be excited for. We just need to temper our excitement in terms of when we're going to see it at an AFL level, I think. I think I think this is more uh, hey, there's a, hey, there's a real talent here and we've got a position at Box Hill for him to go and make his own for the rest of this year and then see how he goes in the next 12 months after that.
0: Well, my little addition to this, my, my little addition to this um, with some golden nuggets of my own on, on Max Ramsden, I saw someone today who will now be known as my source. Uh, And before we could even get into, I wanted to tell them about the 604 2K times. They asked if I knew Max Ramston and basically had a conversation. This person knows Max and the family very, very well. Um, Said that Max was never a pure footy player, but very good at everything that he did. He got over 99 in his ATARs, so he is switched on um, a very clever guy, very smart guy, and actually also said that his parents and the family are just an incredibly beautiful family. And that had me, I guess that had my mind ticking back to some of the stuff in Uh, the previous draft around who we were after, who we were skipping, who we ended up taking, and the Sam Mitchell effect about wanting to bring good people and good characters and good families to the football club and obviously a Hawthorne supporter as well. So just um, just an interesting little bit of info there that helps support, I guess, all, all of the things that they would have been looking at, not just as pure football ability. M- Morrow, I did think... you have something you wanted to add on Ramsden?
4: That is, that's great Intel see. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And I loved your question to Danny, whether um, we would have done the same thing in three, if the draft was three weeks ago. Um, and I just kind of wanted to touch on that bit because I think whether or not he's the best available talent and what have you, uh, Hawthorne took a calculated risk going into this season. um with the three ruck situation so well worst case scenario all three get injured and and actually you know that obviously backfired and I think that um taking a ruck is a little bit of an admission of that that you know actually it was not a risk worth, take, worth taking we maybe if we'd shown up on the day could have beaten the Gold Coast maybe if we had a ruck we wouldn't have the way it played out anyway but we it's it effectively cost us a game and I don't mind that at all that they they sort of admitted that by, by taking a ruckman, that three is not enough. Got to take four. And I think that's something that's really good about Sam Mitchell is that he's very, very good at changing sort of in mid-game as well. He'll change things up and, and he's not sort of stuck on the way that he's done things. And, and it, you know, I could envision a coach being a bit too, like being a bit too proud. Proud. The mistake. Um, but I, I think they've just said, yeah, look, hands up. We got that one wrong. We played Daniel Howe in the rock this week. Um, I don't know if this guy is going to play Max Ramsey anytime any time in the next three years, but I dare say he's a better rock already than, than Daniel Howe is. <laughs> I, I think it was an admission that the risk they took was or um, well, admittedly calculated, but it backfired and, and probably too risky. And so they, they rectified it, and I don't mind that.
0: Yeah, I think also, I mean, I, I, I think that whilst Sam clearly looked upset on on our screens about what was going on the other night, I think he's a realist. And whilst we get emotional with what we see week to week as connected fans, I, I don't think they'd be concerned about getting smashed by Jared Witts in the ruck and not playing uh, a recognised Ruckman given the situation and that, yeah, whilst that, that's potentially the case in terms of they would openly admit that they were thin in the ruck, ruck stocks from the beginning of the year, clearly the Ramsden play is about um, a long-term ruck contingent and the fact that they're still looking at the bigger picture in three, four, five years is, is just as exciting for me.
5: Absolutely, um, Weezy. And just one last thing, just to echo your point from your source around Max Frampton, um, to give you an idea of how much he's come from the clouds this year, he only he didn't play NAB League footy last year. He only played three games of school footy for the whole year. So I think Year Twelve was definitely his focus. He wanted to get through that. He's played for the Sandringham Sandringham Dragons this year, and probably been the best NAB League ruckman across the league. So um, he's finally concentrating on footy and I think that tracks well for a really steep developmental curve. So there's something to be excited about with Max.
0: For sure. Now, before we get uh, some of Daz's insight, Danny, what, what have you got to add about James Blank? And I guess, are you surprised that he didn't get selected to play this weekend with with Kyle Hardigan being named as an in? that he, he was potentially, even though he was taken at 20, um, one of the best chances in the draft to get named straight up this week.
5: Yeah, I think it was one of those 50-50 things that, like, I, I don't think we were expecting Jai Newcomb to play the weekend after he got drafted. and I, I just wonder whether um, they thought, let's not, let's not do that again. I mean, he was incredible, Jai Newcomb. Um, but I don't know if you want to throw, not everybody's built for that sort of a quick turnaround, like to enter a professional environment on a Wednesday or a or Thursday, sorry, and then play on the Sunday. Like that's a big ask for a guy who's been in an amateur or semi-professional environment for the last three years. So um, maybe they just didn't want to throw him to the wolves. And I think also if you're playing a key position and you're a fullback or a center half back, like blank is um, against, you know, good key forwards, um, you can really be exposed. Um, and we've seen what that can do to a young key defender, you know, when Zach Dawson was thrown to the wolves as a, as a young bloke. Um, and it really messed with his career. So maybe I, I actually applaud him for not pulling the trigger on that one and just letting him continue to develop. I'm absolutely sure he'll get games before the end of the year. Um, but I think they just want to see him in their system for a couple of weeks first, training and, and, and um, having that professional environment uh, around him for a while
0: sure, Daz, uh, you've got a new favourite player at our football club.
1: Yeah, I was pretty excited about this one. Um, for those who don't know, James Blank is an Everton supporter, which is pretty rare here in Australia. There's a lot of bandwagon Liverpool and City and Chelsea supporters out there. But oh, um... I was
0: just about <laughs> to take your side, Daz. I was, to, I was going to turn this into an
1: anti-Liverpool segment and you've just gone and spoiled that oh sorry mate but yeah uh you know Evertonian he likes a comment of mine on um on Instagram he was they had they have I think every week at Box Hill or every couple of weeks they've got a you know wear a different your, your favorite sporting club to training so it was a picture of him in an Everton shirt which I put up on Twitter and yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy that the Hawks have got him but but aside from that, I've actually been watching him a bit at Box Hill this year, and he's always stood out. And I, I thought he was the kind of one of the, one of the players from that Box Hill list. And there's quite a few actually that could make the step up um, to, to to play senior footy. And um, I think he's I think his 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 athleticism and his closing down speed are things that really stuck out to me in those Box Hill games. And and clearly, you know, if he's a key position defender that, that that comes along, we can look at other options in the draft and we, we're not, we won't have to think about um, drafting uh, key position players. It's We've really just got to focus on rebuilding the midfield.
0: Yeah, it's, it's probably a, a question for Prinsy for another night, but um, I heard uh, Tim O'Brien on SEN today and it made me start thinking about uh, the players we delisted at the end of, the, of last year and looking back who we would actually have missed and the first name that actually came to mind of any significance was Michael Hartley in terms of if Hartley was on the list would blank have just got drafted to the football club so I think maybe uh over the next few weeks we can potentially even have a look at some of those uh and at the time people get worked up about players getting delisted and Um, players getting traded. Uh, It it would be good to go back and have a look at at the effect and and see if they would have made any difference. But um, a really good haul, um, another really big positive step for us as a club. And we'll be watching both of those players over the next few weeks uh, get their Hawthorne careers started uh, officially through Box Hill. So let's move on now and I am going to call on Brad to talk us through a story that um, that was an, a news story that was up during the week. Uh, 12 months ago, he was officially a Tiger and now we get another Tom Mitchell trade story in a news report um, talking about him being traded. Brad, not. Quite the fanfare of last year's Tom Mitchell trade circus, but back in the spotlight.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people saw the story. Good friend of our program, Mitch uh, Cleary, was up in the Northern Territory with uh, the team. Obviously, the rumours are still there. Uh, Tom, the way Tom speaks about uh, the club, I, I'd be very surprised if he does go. The harsh reality is, is the club would have spoken to other clubs during last year's trade period. That's 100% true. Unfortunately, the interest wasn't there for Tom. And the truth is, we're not going to... A lot of our supporters, unfortunately, it's hard to talk about, but Tom's not worth a first-round pick. And a lot of our supporters still of the belief that he is and that we would get a first-round pick for Tom, we won't. So we need to try and get another first-round pick in this year's draft. We do, Who do we have on our current list who would get a first-round pick? Probably Sis, and maybe a couple of the younger guys. Will they, maybe? But Tom Mitchell is turning 29 shortly. He's still a very good player. He'd be a very good player for a team contending for a flag, but no team's going to give a top 15 pick for Tom at the end of this season. So
0: and I Brad, think... Do you
2: think, yeah.
0: do, do you think that the that we're going to have to get a bit more creative because all of the players that were up for trade at the end of last year that we were talking about trying to push up to a first another first rounder, uh, we saw Bruce and Wingard, but the names were Gunston, O'Meara uh, and Titch. None of them are first rounders. No. So... The question then is: If all you can get for any of them is a second rounder, are you a better having them at the club or b trying to get that to potentially package some second rounders together to be able to get another late first rounder?
2: Yeah, it's a it's it's a good question. Like you would have to it'd have to be Mitchell second rounder, and you'd be paying probably part of his salary. But I think we need to keep him. I think our list is getting younger. You know, at the end of this year, you'd say we're probably going to lose Shields, McAvoy. I think might go on one more. I don't know. It depends how his neck uh, recovers. Um, Gunston's probably still got a year or two left, but there will be a few of the I guess senior boys are going to go at the end of the year. By next season, Tom's probably going to be one of our oldest players. You know, we're going to have Mitchell. Uh, Jager's not going to go anywhere. Chad's not going to go anywhere. They'll probably be our three of our more senior players next year. So I think, you know, Tom seems to be highly uh, respected. We obviously try to, you know, we obviously spoke to other clubs about him last year, but the interest uh, wasn't there. So, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he goes, I'd be leaning to keep, Uh, Tom, especially with how young our midfielder is. Obviously, we've seen this year Sam's trying to phase him out, but he still does play, you know, at least 50% of every game on ball and we're still going to need him next season. He probably still is, other than Jai, our best uh, midfielder at the moment.
0: Yeah, and unless there was some sort of godfather offer from a club that's in the window and coughed up that first rounder, He'd just about be at least top five, if not top three in our BNF and still a a massive show to potentially win it. Um, It's just hard to see, unless there is a massive offer, us getting enough value out of trading him at this point as opposed to keeping him and letting him do what he does. But, you know, it's always good to remember Tom Morris and the the Tigers story with... uh, with a tear in the eye, and it was just good to see that back in the media this week. No doubt there'll be plenty more of those to follow. Um, now, what we're going to do is just something a little bit uh, off centre, and we're coming up to a buy after the Collingwood game. So just before we get into, um, into actually looking at a preview for the Pies game, Looking at the buy the week after, we'll start with you, Mora. Give us the name of a couple of players who you think will be happy to see the buy ready for that, that week off.
4: Yeah, well, um, in, in thinking about this, I ended up trying not to say a lot of the young players, just because first, second-year players, as the season goes on. I mean, it's it's draining just watching it from the couch. I don't know how they do it. But so someone like John Newcomb, for instance, who um, had a blistering start, kind of fell away this week. Um, He was sort of high on my list as someone who I might put in this list. But I also, I didn't want to just say like, you know, Josh Ward, Connor McDonald, those sorts of players. So I thought maybe Luke Bruce... Um, he's someone who I think he kicked multiple goals in the first five weeks and has done it once since then. Um, we haven't really helped him, to be honest, with our delivery and our quantity um, inside 50. But he's someone, you know, 250 this week. Maybe it would be good just to give him a week off um, following that. And, um, yeah, it's kind of murky because we've got really young players and really old players. And I think everyone kind of needs the rest right now. Didn't really answer that.
0: Yeah, I think you're exactly right with him. The first five games he played multiple goals and uh, multiple goals in each game, and and one multiple goal effort since then, and four four games where he's kicked. Well, single single figure goals, Prinzi. What are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, uh, it's really interesting because I had the same train of thought as Morrow. I had Newcomb down and I'll keep him in there because I think he'll be looking forward to just a week off for his body to rest and recover. Um, he hasn't been given the same leeways as McDonald and Ward getting a week to be managed um, and have that week off and have a break. So I think he really will be looking forward to it. And, and rightly so, and he's earned a break. I think he's been incredible. And not only is he, you know give or take half a year, the same age as those guys. Um, but he's playing in the cold face, copping huge hits and laying big tackles. So I think just a rest for his body will do him wonders for the second half of the year. I had Luke Bruce as well. And I had Luke Bruce because he looks like he's running in treacle the last three or four weeks. He looks like he's, he's going in slow motion. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if he's carrying some kind of injury. Um, so, you know, a week off would do him the world of good. And I also had, well, up until the team got announced today, I had Jack Dunstan because I thought he'd come back after the bye. Um, but he's a chance to play this weekend. And I'll, I'll put Max Lynch into that category as well because I think he just needs a week of not missing football for bizarre reasons to get his body <laughs> right, get his head right and get back out on the park. And imagine having two Ruckman in the same team. That's That's a luxury... This Hawthorne team just hasn't had. So they're my, I guess, three or four.
0: Daz, who have you picked out as you're ready to rest?
1: Well, it's a clear one for me and it's James Sicily. Uh, I think we forget that he's come off the back of playing no footy for a year and he's just the first name on the team sheet every week. Gets out there, just the ball is coming in to our back line so much Um, and he's he deserves a week off and he would never get it otherwise. This is the last player that you'd rest. So enjoy the week off, sis, and come back stronger.
0: I am, before we get on to you, Brad, I'm 100% with you, Daz. Sis is my nomination for this category as well. It's, it's really easy to forget how much footy he missed because of how well he's been playing because he's... If he keeps going this way, he's clearly all Australian. He's in all Australian form at the moment. He signed the five-year contract. He's having the uh, the run at having a go at being a captain, and and that is just a, um, a clearly it's just a training segment for what will most likely happen for next year. So and agree with you. There's no way in the world he would be arrested otherwise. So great opportunity for him, Brad. What were you thinking?
2: Yeah, all the names have been uh, mentioned. I had Sis at the top. You guys have uh, touched on, You know, uh, touched on all the points. Uh, Jai number two and Punky. Uh, Luke Bruce definitely uh, needs arresting. Just on Gunston, I know he's been named this week. I think you'll find it's you know he's got a big history with the two boys who are playing their two 250ths which I'm sure we're going to touch on. I'd be very, very, I'd say there's a one percent chance of Jack Gunston playing this week. I would be very surprised if he plays before the buy.
0: It feels like it is purely about the boys' 250th, right? Like and and giving him every single. Chance or at least showing that they'd be giving him a chance, but uh, he, he'd have to be close to zero chance to be playing. I just good. don't Didn't you...
2: yeah, they wouldn't risk him. Why would they risk him?
0: I think Did you he... sent around Brad, was it he's listed on our injury list as four weeks away? Yeah,
2: yeah he's
5: that, that was week. the AFL, that was the AFL one. He was listed as a test for ours, and um, what's the is it, um the physio guy in the injury report said that he, they thought he would play before the bye, meaning next week. So, he's maybe not as far away as we thought. He also seems like the only player we're willing to take a risk with his fitness. We did it last year with his yeah which He played actually, a week. And, and, the game, which was a and, disaster. and he, 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 he looked cooked the minute he came out there. And it feels like we're rushing him back again yeah. now. It's like, we care about all of our players' health and well-being, except for you, Jack. You just go out and do your thing. Yeah, it's
2: Definitely. interesting because yeah, the last year against St Kilda with his back, they rushed him back, and then he didn't play for the rest of the year. So Serious. From- if if
4: um, he's say named an emergency, does that help him get to the game? Like, is he allowed to be like on the ground with his? With the with Bruce and Shields, like you like you say, they're probably trying to find a way to get in there. Yeah,
2: that's what I was thinking because I'm pretty sure that emergencies you get to carry over a couple. Prinzy might know they'd probably be part of the pregame warm-up before the teams, you know, go back into the rooms and run through the banners. So that's something that they can they can do. Yeah, so he can at least be out yeah. there with you know Bruce and Shields.
0: Something. From memory, I think Gunston against the Saints in that game may have even started in the midfield and got the he first did. touch of he the did. game. And it was a ripper and you just went, Oh, there's Jack Gunston and we missed him and after that. Uh, yeah. That wasn't was a, so that good. was the
5: weirdest selection of Clarko's reign, I reckon. That was so strange.
0: Indeed. Well, what we'll do, given we're talking about Gunston being selected in the team, is we'll move on to the Pies game for this weekend, our last game before the bye. Uh, Mora, in his his, um, OPPO analysis, which will be dropping tomorrow, has actually... um, Simon, you've said it's going to be a really good um showing of where in fact we're at as a club at the moment in terms of pitting our development up against the pies. Yeah,
4: um agree. And that, that that's something that Ash mentioned to us during the week as well. This is a team that's very, very similar in their developmental stages we are. They won six games last year, we won seven. Admittedly we also had two draws and you can count the Richmond game as a win if you ask me. Um but the 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 difference um, sorry, the, the differences between us are very, very small. I mean, we've both got this new coach who's um, come in and uh, implemented grand plans and we're both, you know, pumping games into young players. I think, I don't think that any other team has debuted more than 12 um, since the start of last year and Collingwood and Hawthorne both have 12 debutants. So it, it's very, very interesting. These are the games that we're going to um, really find a lot about ourselves um, and how our development's going when we play Collingwood over the next couple of years. Um, That said, I'd I'd love to see us win it. Um, I'm very much not encouraged by what I saw last week. But um, as a few people pointed out, you know, we were in Tasmania playing against Brisbane and then six days later forced to play the Suns in Darwin without a Ruckman. So we were always probably up against it. Um, And the same thing I think can be said about Collingwood. They've had a couple of really, really big games. They had a slog in Perth um, against Frio and then a really, really tough game against Carlton. And so it's possible, like like us, that they're going to be up and down um, and maybe the stars were aligning that we just get them on a down week because you know they get up for the Carlton games and what goes up must come down.
0: Yeah, it it really is a good opportunity. Brad, I'm going to ask you about selection. Before I do, I'm just going to read out the team as selected. Uh, from the back pocket, Will Day, Blake Hardwick, named at full back, Jarman Impey, half back line, Changuth Giaf, James Sicily, Harry Morrison, on a wing, Lockie Bramble, John Newcomb in the centre, Connor McDonald, Half forward line of Liam Shields, Dylan Moore back to his uh, back to his best position there at centre half forward. Uh, Jager O'Meara on the other flank. Full forward line of Luke Bruce, Mitch Lewis, Sam Butler. Uh, Jacob Kozitsky gets uh, another naming in the ruck with Tom Mitchell and Chad Wingard named on ball, and the interchange from. Daniel Howe, Jack Gunston, DGB, Ned Reeves, Connor Nash, Jackson Callow, Josh Morris, and Kyle Hardigan. So that ended up being Gunston, Callow, Jager, Josh Morris, Kyle Hardigan, and Ned Reeves named in. With so far, Finn McGinnis, who was the sub, Jack Scrimshaw, and Sam Frost ruled out. So... Carnage, the carnage that you predicted, uh, Brad, at the selection table, how do you think that's going to unfold uh, when final teams are named tomorrow ahead of Saturday?
2: I'd be surprised if there were more than three changes. Obviously, losing Scrim is, Scrimshaw is going to hurt, especially with Frost a awake. So those two obviously go out. Fingers crossed and praying. Ned Reeves comes in. Jager will obviously come back. But I think we're going to see Connor Nash might get an arrest. I think Josh Morris will play. I don't know why. I've just got a feeling the last every week we seem to be managing or a player goes out that we don't expect. Uh, Hardigan seems to be an emergency most weeks. DGB named on the bench is interesting. It could be sore. Maybe that's why Hardigan's an emergency and obviously with Frost out. Uh, but my predicted changes when I wrote my piece were uh, Scrimshaw and Frost out, uh, Reeves and Omira in, but I've got a feeling there'll probably be one more change and I reckon Josh Morris will play with their Connor Nash or another player being managed, even though the bye is coming up. There might be a few sore boys over um, after the last couple of weeks.
0: Well, just looking at that bench would suggest Morris has to be a chance because with Cozzy named in the ruck, the, the bench it's, it's one of the biggest extended benches we would ever have named in terms of in terms of height and monsters so you've got yeah. how Gunston, Barras, Reeves, Nash, callow and Hardigan. that is a big tall bench.
2: yeah absolutely and how obviously on the bench as well you know his spot I said earlier on that I think he's going to lose his spot so I reckon there'll be three changes. And I reckon Morris will play, which will be good. It'll be good to see guys like him. I think Jack Saunders will play a few games after the bye as well. You know, they've. I think um, you guys have mentioned they've trialed him a bit across half back for Box Hill, which is interesting considering that's where you know we've got the most depth on our list at the moment. But I think we will see a few of those Box Hill, you know, uh, regulars play in the back half of the year, which will be good. Morris played a couple of games last year. Um, he struggled a bit, but. He definitely deserves a, another chance. And what better way to do it in front of, you know, he's probably 60,000 plus on the MCG on Sunday.
0: The other really interesting aspect to this one, and as I'll get your thoughts on it, is um, good friend of the pod, good friend of the club, good friend of the AFL fan, Damien Barrett runs his Sliding Doors segment every Friday um, and every week that goes on uh, per- perhaps shows us all a-, a lack of understanding of what Sliding Doors as a concept actually is. But we have this weekend a true Sliding Doors moment and that is that we've got Sam Mitchell coaching up against Craig McCrae where if Collingwood had managed to pry Sammy away and make him the coach, there, there's a fair chance that it, the roles would have been reversed and McRae would have been coaching us with everything we, we'd heard about how he, could, he was as an assistant coach. So, Daz, a real interesting byplay to the two of them meeting up against each other for the first time this weekend.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, But if you're asking whether I'd have McRae or Sam Mitchell at the helm, uh, I think you know probably know the answer.
0: I'm not sure if uh, there's anyone in here who would be uh, unhappy with the outcome, that's for sure. Let's talk about the tips for the game, Jazz, while you're on speaker. Who's going to win and by how much?
1: Uh, Well, I feel like... Collingwood played their grand final on the weekend and you know I, th- I think the conditions really hurt the Hawks so I'm going to I'm going to say the Hawks by 12 points. Nice
0: Prinzy. Uh,
5: the Pies by three
0: goals. Nice and tight still so we're within that within that two or three goal range Brad
2: yeah, last week I tipped us, so I don't know why and look what happened. So I'm going to go Collingwood by two goals and another one to keep an eye out for in this game is Nick Dacos v our Jai Newcomb. Obviously Jai had probably his most, you know, his quietest game on the weekend. We'll give him a pass you know, we'll give him a pass for that but this is a big game for him. So there'll be a lot of talk after this game because one of them will you know, put a bit of breathing space in between. They I think Jai, is Nick Dacos still favourite just or has Jai taken over? I think Nick Dacos is still just favourite. but if Jai I has think he's still favourite. Yeah, and I think Jai will have a big game. Collingwood's midfield, they've got some decent name players in there, but they don't have a lot of depth in their midfield. So I think this is one game. I know our midfield struggles most weeks, but other than uh, Jack Crisp has been a really, really good player this year and Taylor Adams, who... hasn't had a great year. Scott Pendlebury is still Scott Pendlebury, still very skillful and still a decent player, but he's not the same Scott Pendlebury. So we do have a chance and they're not that strong in the ruck. Darcy Cameron's played really well for them, but he's not a star ruckman. And Mason Cox will spend a lot more time forward to try and expose our smaller back line with no Frost and Scrimshaw. So I think our midfield does have the opportunity to play really well this week and give us a chance to win but I'm tipping Collingwood as reverse psychology. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: And Mora, what, uh, what side of the fence are you leaning on?
2: Um,
4: last time we lost by 11 goals, we came back and beat Geelong. So I reckon we can do it again. Um, bounce back, win by 14 points.
0: Oh, that would be lovely. Well, I'm, the, I'm, the, uh, I'm one of the pessimists in the group and Collingwood, who did an absolute number on Frio a couple of weeks ago, backed it up against Carlton. I think they're going to be way too strong for us, and, and I can see us going down by six or seven goals, but that is not the way to finish off what has been a great space. So to inject a little bit of positivity for five minutes, I'm going to throw the floor open to anyone uh, I think it is well worth noting that Luke Bruce and Liam Shields are playing their 250th together this weekend, Been unbelievable servants at the club. Um, I know for me, uh, Ethan, my boy, Bruce D was his first and continues to be his favourite player. Um, and what they have given to us, especially through the glory years, will never be under understated and can't be taken away. So I'm going to throw the floor open if anyone wants to um, have anything to say about those two guys and their contribution to the club, what they've meant to you.
2: I'll just quickly mention, similar to what uh, you said, we see both just been unbelievable like clubmen. Uh, I think we forget how good Luke Bruce actually uh, was as a player. He was probably a top three small forward in the league for a long period of time. Uh, was a superstar player during our successful uh, years. Uh, Liam Shields, just consistent. I think that would be the best way to uh, describe him. Just a really solid player week in, uh, week out. Great that he gets to finish his club at, you know, gets to finish his career at uh, the Hawks. Luke Bruce is going to be an interesting one. I think he's going to be in a similar boat to Jack Gunston where a club may offer him two years at the end of this year. Um, but yeah, Luke Bruce, both been superstar players, great clubmen, and congratulations to both of them.
4: For
5: me, the, the standout
2: memory
4: for me from Luke Brooks is 2013. He had just an awful year in front of the sticks, like, just could not score a goal. It was terrible. And the one thing that consoled me all through the season, home and away game after home and away game, is he's going to do it when it matters. So don't worry that he's just missed it. He's going to do it when he matters. And we were within a kick of Geelong in the prelim and he takes a mark 40 meters out and he missed it. And I reckon I broke a knuckle punching the chair <laughs> because the whole season I told myself that that was the goal he was going to kick and he didn't do it. And if you fast forward about 30 seconds into the play, he's the one. That just sticks his hand up, intercepts the play, and it goes from there to Gunston, oh, to Lewis, to Gunston, to Burgoyne, and we know what happens there. And him making the mistake and then instantly rectifying it and getting us in front was unbelievable. And everything was forgiven in that moment.
0: Chills just hearing you talk about it.
4: I, honestly, I think my, my hand is still broken. I never got it looked at.
0: Prinzy?
5: Yeah, I think um, I think look, look, Luke Bruce will go down as one of the better players to play for the Hawthorne Footy Club, uh, and is a phenomenal talent. I think the rise from skinny little kid from a rugby background playing in a helmet for Box Hill, um, you know, to like Brad said, being you know one of the best small forwards of his generation. Um, I think we were lucky enough to have two of the best, three small forwards of that generation playing in the same forward line with him and Cyril Um, and being a three-time leading goal kicker at the club uh, is speaks, speaks to how good Luke Bruce is. Um, But I think Liam Shields is just criminally underrated by not only people outside of the walls of Hawthorne, but also Hawthorne fans. I mean, this is just a guy that I think Clarko had a special spot in his heart for, because he was the guy that you could give a job to, or he was the guy that you could always bank on playing his role. And we know Clarko loved the "you lose a soldier, you replace a soldier." Well, Liam Shields was that soldier, and uh, and he was a phenomenal, phenomenally reliable player. And I think you know, in a in a sport where reliability is um, so so important, Liam Shields um, carved his his. Um, 250 game career out of his reliability and the fact that the man has an average um, tackles per game count of close to six a game so you know he was ferocious around the contest he may not have been the most gifted player to pull on the brown and gold but I think you'd find it hard to find a more committed player
0: indeed I think do you know what it's, it's worthy of we've got a couple of people uh, who would like to talk about this pair. So we'll start with Duncan.
6: Uh, welcome to the show, yeah, Good day, guys. Um, I went to live in England after the 2001 prelim against the Bombers, and I came home in 2007. My first year watching footy back again was 2008, so all those lean years never happened in my world. Um, but when I went to England, my I lived in just outside Birmingham, and the place I lived near... The nearest football club I lived near was called – sorry, the home ground was the Hawthorns. So we may have got an Everton supporter um, just drafted in, but I'm hanging out for a West Bromwich Albion supporter to come into the club. I'm
0: sure that there there wouldn't wouldn't be that many baggy supporters. Uh, that have done the double, but how
6: uh, well, they, have they gone? The- uh, they started fantastically in the championship and then faded to mid-table obscurity, so that was pretty poor. But um, the amazing thing was it was fate to follow them because not only is their home ground the Hawthorns, but um, their away kit is usually always green and yellow. So Australia, so how can you not follow a team that plays at the Hawthorns and plays in Australian colours? Unfortunately,
4: I'm stuck with my uh, Gunners, but if I was starting again, I would definitely choose West Brom for that exact reason.
6: (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) You know, be a a second
4: club.
0: And do you know what? Thank you very much for that. Keep an eye out over the next couple of weeks. We've got an idea that actually Simon's put forward and been playing with around uh, something very similar in terms of bringing the Hawthorne Football Club, into your life through ways you wouldn't quite have seen the connection at first. So um, thanks very much for that, Duncan. That Whitey,
3: uh, welcome back. How are you going? Good, boys. How are you all going? Um, I think um, the last couple of weeks have summed up their whole careers. What Liam Shields did against Brisbane is what Liam Shields has done for 240 games. Fair him, whenever we needed to stop someone, you knew it had to be stopped. He was a bloke that did it. And he did it without any fanfare, without anything. And I think I saw him on um, Fox the other day. And I think um, they said about him was that he just did it. If he had to go and tag someone in the back line, he just went and do it. If he had to go in the centre and tag someone... But he could and he was a bloody good kick at goal when he got his chances. Where Bruce, Bruce we had Cyril who was an excitement machine, but Bruce was a classic small forward. He that that pass he threw in one of those grand finals where he read, led from the front and gave the handball. And I think Cyril gave him the handball and he just flew through the gap and never looked like missing the target. And the same with um the one he did to Piopolo in the grand final. Kicked it over the top and landed on Piopolo's chest from 55 metres away. And he was a great tackler in his day because of his rugby league background. He tackled as good as anyone. And they've both just been great players for the club. And I still reckon Bruce is the best across the face of gold kicker in the league. Running across the face of gold, 99% of the time he's going to kick him.
2: Yeah, you make some good points, Dave. And- especially with his uh, skill, I've noticed this year he still crumbs the ball as well as at any forward in the game at full uh, pace. So keep an eye out for it, but often when the ball comes off you know our key forwards hands, watch how clean he hits the ball at full pace. It's actually incredible uh, to watch and he does snap the ball really, really well, which can be quite frustrating at times when other players, have set shots from 30 meters out in front and they go to the side. But you know, with Luke Bruce, like you said, nine to- 99 times out of 100, he kicks those goals. But yeah, beautifully skilled player. Yeah, well yeah he got- the pocket. And
4: then he does that little right angle inboard. You just put it in the book already. He never misses those. It's beautiful.
0: I've got to say we were lucky enough, Darren Ash and I, to talk to Luke Bruce on the Golden Years and we covered the 2013 Grand Final. And we had a discussion about the goal he kicked, which was just incredible because it was a classic Luke Bruce goal. It was completely pre-planned. It was from a boundary throw-in deep in our forward pocket. Aaron Sandiland's up against David Hale. Hale looked beaten but got a like a reverse palm straight into the spot that Bruce ran in, snapped a goal like it was classic Luke Bruce. And hearing him talk about how that was the play and that as a moment was one of his favourite moments, was incredible. His His stats, he's kicked 460 goals and he'll get there this year, but even taking this year out of the equation in 11 years of footy, he's kicked over 30 goals in 10 of those 11 seasons. It's in, it's it's an incredible record. It's incredibly consistent. And then for me, Shields, on the other hand, you know, similarly to Brad Sewell for me, where there were so many parts of his career where he was put as this tagger and did the role so incredibly well, but when he had the opportunity to be a pure mid in his own right, he was just as good. Uh Sewell reminded me of that, especially later in his career, where, you know, let them off the leash and let them play their natural game. And Shields as a as a soldier and servant of the club just week after week his consistency's been Incredible. I I could go on about these guys and the rest of the list all night. Uh, Appreciate that because of uh, their celebrations, we've gone on a little bit longer than normal. So appreciate everyone sticking around. Um, Not sure if anyone has anything else that they want to add, but thanks again to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to everyone for the support of Hawks Insiders if you're not already, make sure you sign up through the Substack. All of the links are through our socials. Um, if you miss out on any of our player rating pods or the spaces, remember that they go up as a podcast in your favorite podcast store. Thanks again for all of your support. Thanks for tuning in and look forward to catching up. Uh, with our player ratings after the Pies game and catch you all in the space next week. Thanks very much, everyone, and have a good night.